Good afternoon, it's 12 o'clock and welcome to the MoneyWeb at Midday Show. My name is Rijk van Nikker. Well, the markets are not a pretty sight today. Most of the key indicators are in the red. Uh, NASPA is down quite significantly at one stage this morning, nearly 4% down while all the financials and banks are also under some immense pressure. Uh, the most worrying indicator, however, is the Brent crude price, which seems to continue on its march to $100 a barrel. It's currently trading at $81.20, and uh, with a rand of at around 14 rand 40 to the dollar, we may see a pretty significant increase in the fuel price uh, next month. On, uh, on the corporate front, Alexander Forbes has fired its CEO, Andrew Darfur. That is with immediate effect. And the group uh, said in a very short statement, statement on Sense that it's lost confidence and trust in Darfur. A uh, very interesting uh, move there. And I think there will be a lot of of uh, discussions about what exactly happened there. And I'll speak to um, um, Simon Brown of Just One Lap about these and other stories in a minute. But first, let's look at the indicators. The JC All Share Index uh, down as 0.1% currently at 56,543 points. Uh, the, it was down more than 1.5% earlier this morning. Resources uh, has gained 1.3%. Industrials down 2.4%. Financials down 2%. The gold index up two-thirds of a percent. On international markets, the FTSE 100 has gained 0.2%. The DAX up 0.1% as uh, the COC 40 also 0.1% higher. Earlier in Southeast Asia, the Nikkei uh, 0.15% higher. Shanghai lost 06 and Hang Seng also down 1.6%. Uh, on the, let's look at the uh, exchange rate. The rand is currently trading at 14 rand 36 against the dollar, 18 rand 91 against the pound, 16 rand 91 against the euro. The uh, dollar is trading, or the euro is trading at $1.17, the pound at $1.31, Bitcoin at $6,407 or 96,577 Rand. Gold is trading at $1,199, uh, platinum at $831, Brent crude currently $81.22 US uh, cents, uh, very, very worrying there indeed. And on the capital market, the R186 currently at 9.16%. Simon Brown from Just One Lap. Simon, welcome to the show. Um, let's start with uh, Andrew Darfur. Uh, very interesting development say He was fired. Very, you know, it seems like it's a sudden decision. What did you make of that? It is sudden. He, he only joined just under two years ago. He joined Alexander Forbes, and they'd had a tough time leading up to that. Uh, he put a strategy in place uh, for 2022. They had a fancy name for it. I don't recall the name of the strategy. Um, and obviously, the, the board's decided not working. Now, He's not the first CEO to be fired, but he certainly, you know, usually it's like, you know, uh, for personal reasons, wish him all the best and stuff like that. This is Alexander Forbes, which I think credit to them saying, you know, it's not working. We bought the CEO and uh, isn't going as we planned. And we have taken remedial action, which in essence is to is to summarily fire him henceforth. But no, usually when you lose confidence in a CEO, you just don't, you know, drop the hammer or the guillotine. In this case, there is a manager 
which process? Do you think there's something sinister at play here? So they, they, I mean, there might be something more to it. I mean, if we read directly what they're saying, you know, losing confidence and the like could 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 mean many things, and there could be something more sinister to it. It could also be a process that's been playing for longer than we are necessarily aware of. Um, you know, that might be something from six months ago, and they've tried the process, etc. But the other side of the coin is it is perhaps just a board who have been under pressure. As I said, Alexander Forbes wasn't performing. He really was brought in to sort of fix it up. Uh, two years in, they might be looking at this and saying, sorry, we got the wrong guy, which is interesting because, of course, the board employs him. Um, and I wonder if there's any culpability on their part for for uh, essentially employing the wrong person, perhaps, depending on on what that full background story ends up being. Yeah. Let's look at the market. The all share down uh, more than 1%. It was actually recovered from the losses earlier on this morning. Uh, what is at play here? Uh, so, I mean, we're playing a bit of catch up with, with uh, US and Asian markets. We were obviously closed lo- uh, yesterday uh, for, for, for Heritage Day. So we got to catch up sort of Friday evening and then Monday as well. And we, we saw weakness around the world uh, in, in global markets yesterday. Uh, the, the Trump 200 billion dollar tariffs onto China come into effect yesterday uh, and their reciprocal $60 billion tariffs coming back uh, and the fact that China has said no we don't want to have those talks. There were talks about talks etc and that's now being pulled. So there was some certainly some spookiness happening there and I expected a week a day. I didn't expect to see NASPAS down at 1.4% this morning. Um, I know we've seen some tech stocks under pressure in the U.S. Uh, I know Tencent generally has been under pressure, but uh, NASPAS is is, now just 3.5% off. But that really has been our large driver uh, to the downside. Yeah. Um, The crude price, price of crude oil. uh, South Africa is one of the countries in the world that is the most exposed Mm -hmm. to a higher fuel price. uh, And and, and the current trajectory is really concerning because that can cause havoc in our economy in in the short term. Uh, it absolutely can. You know, and last month, you must remember that we didn't get the full petrol price increase. The government swallowed some of it. The question is, for how much longer can they? The short answer is they can't. We, we don't have the money. We don't have the revenue. We can't go and find more revenue somewhere else. We don't have the capacity for it. Um, and, and the story's really been OPEC saying, nope, they're happy with current prices. They're not looking to you know, pump more production, uh, particularly Saudi Arabia, um, and hence the price above $80. You mentioned in your intro, you know, what of a hundred, and and it's been there in recent years. About three or four years ago, it was it was above a hundred, and at that point, that didn't make a lot of sense. But with the the slight tightening we've seen from OPEC, uh, demand coming through predominantly driven from the US, but other demand as well. Certainly, we're at risk if we don't start seeing uh, production in- increases from from large members. You know, some of the smaller ones can come and help, but they're not they're, they're not going to make significant difference. We need a, a Saudi Arabia and Iran, of course, problems there with sanctions. Um, and that oil price is scary because, as you say, it immediately hits the motorist. Uh, anyone who's, who's, who's using any form of transport, which immediately means less money out there to spend in a year that's already been immeasurably tough for most consumers in South Africa. Yeah, Sassel, 4% up this morning, and that is definitely not a surprise. No, Sassel been looking fairly good recently, Got almost got back, I think, to the 580s, almost back to the 600, bit of a pullback on it, but now with oil moving, uh, the rand is stronger over the last month or so, uh, but still at 14-odd, you know, two months ago it was 13 odd so the 
picking up some uh, steam there as well. And of course, longer term for Sasol is the Lake Charles project starts coming online, which means the capex spend stops and they can start generating some some revenue for that, uh, which makes them less dependent on on oil as they start to use oil and gas as a as a feedstock in the ethane cracker plant. Yeah, um, we seem to have our internet back online, so I can look at some individual shares that are performing well. Um, uh, Kumba Iron Ore up 4.2%, Assor up 6.7%, uh, Goldfields 3.9% higher, uh, MTN gain 3.4%. Uh, on the downside, uh, Implats down 9%, Netcore 3.8% down, Naspas 3.6% down, 3,130 rand um, on the bottom end of where it actually started the year. Uh, Discovery down three and a quarter, um, and uh, Mediclinic also down three percent. Uh, why? This is one theme that actually came through over the last few weeks, and that is that financials, I think, are being hit harder than most of the other sectors, uh, even in the industrials uh, where the, you know the local economy does play a, a big role. Why? Why is this uh, pressure on financials? I think it's a great question because financials are not expensive. They're they're probably fairly valued, uh, particularly if you look at some 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 good uh, uh, dividend yields coming out of them. And I think that there are perhaps a couple of concerns. Consumers under pressure, always concerns around how that plays into bad debts and payments, as the banks call it. Typically, what we have seen over the last couple of years is the big four banks have kept their impairment levels very, very low, from ranging from under half a percent to at the top end of the range around 0.8%, which is really good considering the pressure. I think there's been some concerns around expropriation without compensation, but at, at this point, I think those are, are unjustified until we get more insight. Uh, President Ramaphosa did put a 10-person a, a panel together last week with some, some, some really quality names on it. So I think it's just skittishness. And banks often are viewed as a... You know, whereas you talk about your currency being sort of like your best way to vote on an economy uh, and the bond rates, the government bonds as well, typically your longer bond rates at the same time. But I think banks as well. And if, if, if we can't get our economy going again and we continue to bumble along at, let's say, 0% GDP, uh, where do the banks get their growth from? They've, they've got some Africa rest of continent exposure, but truthfully not significant amounts at this point. Varying degrees, Standard Bank will hate me saying that, but it's not huge at this point. Um, and they're really just competing to to steal customers from each other, which is an expensive process. And then the risk, as I said, those impairments potentially rising. So what we're seeing with banks is, is, is one week they're up a bit and everything's fine and rosy, and then suddenly the sellers just arrive again. And, and certainly that has been the trend. You know, the Indies driven by NASPAS, but the banks generally have just been a a weak space for probably pretty much of this year, whereas the Resi 10s had a great year, in large part thanks to the weaker czar, but certainly that the, the stocks have, have benefited from it. Yeah. What did you make of uh, the stimulus package from uh, the president? Uh, do you think it can induce the, the recovery um, we de- so desperately need in the short term? <sighs> I think it can, but, and, and it's a giant but, that that with respect to President Ramaphosa, and I understand what he was doing, it is light on detail. Um, you know, some of it, for example, he's talking about uh, uh, spectrum and, and quickly getting that spectrum out and uh, uh, chatting with some experts in the field, we could see spectrum auctions as early as the new year. That firstly generates some revenue. and. In the current climate, you know, every billion counts, but also just open up and start creating some activity around that sort of space. But a lot, you know, phrases like shovel ready 
are, with respect to the president, a great phrase, but overused. Um, you know, where are these shovel-ready projects? A, a 400 billion infrastructure fund is a great idea, but you know, you've got to get the money, and then you've got to get it spending. Um, he also pushed some of it off to the medium-term budget policy statement, which is what, four weeks away, so it's, in fact, three weeks, I think, it's relatively close. So we didn't see, you know, from a high level, yeah, this absolutely can work. But the devil's always in the detail, and the devil is even more so in the actual implementation. And, and that's what we've got to start seeing. I was in the Kruger National Park this weekend, and uh, we had a few nice briars. And, of course, you talk about the country uh, when uh, you have a beer in the hand. And it's not scientific, <laughs> but, you know, from a straw poll of about four people I spoke to, People are negative, and, and these are business people employing many people. Um, and, and I think what the president needs to do is just to convince those people, listen, things will calm down and it will improve and it will not affect your business. Um, you need to get that person to open another shop or another manufacturing plant. Uh, government's ability to you know, have a match and then ignite something is very limited. It is, and, and, and particularly when you don't have the money behind it. You know, we, we, and he did say he wants to tr- make this budget neutral, and, and, and that, that makes it very hard. So we do need to instill that confidence. And I think what's happened is we've, we've got the lost decade, essentially, of, of former President Zuma's reign, and we know that and we're seeing it at the Zondo Commission and with the, the details of, of just how bad it was are, are coming and they're going to carry on coming. The SARS Commission, same story. Um, and there was huge hope and we, we saw the markets in, in November, December, January after NASRAC and in fact our currency peaked at 11.55 the evening uh, President Ramaphosa announced his, 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 his budget. But what he needs, sorry, his cabinet. What he really needs is some quick, easy wins and I think, and, and you know, for, I, I chatting this a few weeks ago with friends of mine, what would be those quick, easy wins? I mean, I we, we, we struggle to come up with stuff. I mean, sure, there's some things you can do perhaps around around labor, around red tape. None of them that quick and, and, and not always easier. And, and that's the bind he finds himself in. He's essentially turning around a, you know, the largest economy in the continent. And, and that is a huge job to do. In previous problems that we've had, it's been of a global nature. So, you know, the rest of the world starts to recover and you kind of hook onto their mm. coattails. We've disconnected from those coattails. When we hosted the World Cup in 2010, one of the ideas that worked absolutely fantastically well was a special tourism police um, and a fast-track process through our criminal justice system for uh, tourist-related crimes, and it worked well, and we drew a a big, big number of foreign tourists. I, I think that is the easiest win we can get is a yeah. massive international marketing campaign for South Africa and then pushing out a safety uh, program, tourism police, call it what you want. And, and I think that can have an, a quick and an immediate impact. It does. And he did mention visas and visas are critically important. Well, what you want, and I know, my wife and I look to go on a holiday somewhere and then you hit the visa requirements and it's like, oh, do we really want to? You know, and so, you know, just make, make it, you arrive here you know, we, 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 if you're on the Interpol red list, you're not welcome in. If you're not on the Interpol red list, we do a quick scan. Five minutes later, you're in the country. I, I, you know, with our czar at the current point, it's be very attractive to Europe. We're at same time zone. We're a short, relatively short flight away. Um, we, we need to do the marketing point. I like your idea around you know, that those those sort of uh, 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 crime courts that we had specifically for tourists. And and it is a, it is a simple win. Yeah, infrastructure spend 400 billion is great, but how 
quickly do you spend it and get it going anywhere? And how do you remove red tape and, and, and graft and all of the rest? Whereas something like tourism, and, we, and we're a tourism hungry, you know, you were at the Kruger Park at the other end, other corner of the country. We've got Table Mountain and we've got literally 3,000 kilometers of amazing country in between and beaches and, and resorts and the like. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a fantastic few days in the bush. But uh, Simon, thank you so much for, for, for joining us today. That Always a pleasure. Simon Brown of Just One Lap. And that's it for this edition of the Money Whip at Midday Show. From myself, Rijk van Kerk, thanks for tuning in. 